1: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media Thanks to the generosity of our supporters Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily Please make your donation today at vision.org.au
0: Let's bring it right down now here Let's ask a big question I think most important question you could ever ask in your life What are you doing with your life?
1: and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll hear that greater things are yet to come. Pastor Jeff asks, what are we doing with our lives? How are we using what we have and what we're good at to bring good to
0: others? If that happened right now, would you be able to hold your head up high and say, well, let me just tell you? Or would you say like, man, everything I've done is kind of for my own selfish agenda, my own sense of gaining more and more material stuff, all the stuff you said not to do. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Let's bring it right down now. Here, let's ask a big question. I think most important question you could ever ask in your life. What are you doing with your life? What, what are you doing? What, what are your goals? What, what are your objectives? Where do you hope to be in five, 10 years? I mean, what's your life about? You died right now tonight and you were standing before God. And God said to you, I want you to give me a list of how you used this breath that I gave you, these talents I gave you. How did you use it? If if that happened right now, would you be able to hold your head up high and say, well, let me just tell you. (laughs) Or would you say like, man, everything I've done is kind of for my own selfish agenda, my own sense of gaining more and more material stuff, all the stuff you said not to do. What are you doing with your life, Man. Every life has to ask that sooner or later. If you don't, it's unexamined life. You know what they say about that? Not worth living. What are you doing? I mean, you got to come face to face with yourself. You got to look in the mirror and you got to ask that question. Man, th- just imagine. There's a guy in a hotel room. He's on his knees. He's got a gun. It's locked and loaded, ready to go. This addiction that he has It's just about ruined his life. It has ruined his life. His wife has left him. He's got no job. He's lost his children. Everything's gone. And he's just about to pull the trigger, ready to go because it's all over. And think about it. Just before he's ready to do that, just before he pulls the trigger, he thinks of this place that he's seen a thousand times. And it has a big gate. And there's a sign that reads love, grace, mercy, acceptance, forgiveness, healing. And he thinks, man, I wonder if that place could be true. Through those gates, is it possible that there are people who actually will not judge me and say, you got yourself into this mess, but will say, come on, man, we love you, we're gonna help you. Is there anybody that really does care about my addiction, how it's destroyed me, and will help me see the light home? Man, wouldn't it be grace? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great? It wouldn't be grace, but wouldn't it be great if a place like that existed? There's a, there's a couple. They're in the, the driveway, in the car. They've been sitting there for like two hours. They've, they've, they've been home from dinner in the city for a long time, but they've not moved from their car, not gone into the house yet. Because an argument that started a couple of days before is still going. And what started out as shiny new hope and promise of relationship and intimacy, now has been corroded by unfaithfulness, by a lack of trust, and now there's a wound. Both of them wonder if it could ever be healed. And they sit there ready to throw in the towel. Marriage is over, relationship is over. It's all done now. But just before they do, think about it. They would think of a place, a place where there are people, where there's a big gate that says love, grace, mercy, acceptance, forgiveness, healing. And just before they get ready to throw in the towel, they say maybe, just maybe there is a place where people really do love, those who are experiencing marital difficulties and really will give them tools essential to a healthy and productive marriage and they can return to the marital bliss they once had. I mean, man, maybe we should go to that place. Wouldn't that be great if that place, a place that cared about drug addicts, a place that cared about marriages that were falling apart. And what about the little 10-year-old girl? She's in the schoolroom. She used to be a straight-A student. But now all she does is stare out the window. Ever since mommy left, she listens to dad cry all night. She longs for somebody, another girl, another woman, young woman, oh, it doesn't matter, but anybody that will understand her, how lost she feels, how lonely she feels, somebody that would just talk to her and love her and value her and remind her of her own intrinsic worth and that God, even in the midst of this, has a plan for her life. Wouldn't it be great if that place, that place that she begins to think about giving up on life, but then she remembers that place that her little friends always talk about, that place over there with, you know, the big gates that say love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, acceptance, healing. And she says, maybe I should go there where all my little friends tell me I should go. And maybe there are really a group of, maybe there's a group of people there that really do care about little girls who feel lost and alone. And a thousand other problems. A guy walking down the street who's lost his job. He really wants to work, but he can't find one. He just needs somebody to help him get back on his feet, man. A relationship that's gone sour, abuse of some kind, depression and those who struggle with it. But there's a place where the broken hearts are mended, where things are, pieces are put back together again. That, that It becomes a place where everybody knows about And in this great place with that gate of love, grace, mercy, acceptance, forgiveness, healing, there's free food, (laughs) which is what life is ultimately about. (laughs) But there's food, so if I'm hungry, nobody judges me, I can walk through and get my food because I'm hungry. There's free clothing. I can go through and there's this little warehouse of clothes. If I need clothing, I can go in and nobody's going to say, you got yourself into this mess. They're going to know that, man, sometimes rain falls in a person's life and there is no explanation. I just need some clothes. I need to get out of my car, off the street, and get back on my feet. But is there anybody who will not judge me and just kind of say, brother, I'll pray for you, but actually will help me. It'll go beyond some kind of Superficial, encouraging word in this place with the gate love, grace, mercy, and acceptance, there's temporary housing. For a mom who's out on the street now, for a dad who's lost everything, they can come, no judgment, and they can stay in this temporary housing to get their life back together. You say, Jeff, people abuse that. Don't you think we know that? Does it mean you don't provide it and do the best you can? Because there are people who are genuinely in need and hurting that need somebody to love them. in this place, love, grace, mercy, acceptance. And this place is smart. They don't try to do it all on their own. They partner with every other organization in the community because they know that there's a need that might arise they can't meet. So they're organized. So they never, ever have to turn anybody away. Ever. Because the need will be met. And because they know that if a young life doesn't have a spiritual transformation and the power of God doesn't come into their lives before the age of 18, the chances are it never will because they're aware of this part of this place is a great children's kingdom. So It's so wonderful that at five o'clock, about the time the school bell is ready to ring, there are hundreds of kids everywhere thinking about this place. Because they know there, it's more than just a babysitting industry. It's a place where they can be loved and encouraged in their intrinsic worth and to find the plan of God. And no matter what they're facing at home, no matter what kind of abuse, no matter what kind of frustration, they know here they're gonna be loved and appreciated and encouraged. That place, coaching, mentoring, life skills, all of it. In this place behind these gates, a horde of volunteers and they're all being trained in life coaching and mentoring. They're helping people find restoration from addictions. They're restoring marriages. They're all pumped up, man. They don't give judgment. They give love. They feed, they clothe, they take care of anybody who comes through those gates. What a place that would be. I would imagine that the energy of God is just, when you walk through those gates, it's like, wow, God is right here. Woo, you can feel them in this place. God is involved. And the worship services they have behind those gates are unbelievable. It's like God shows up every week, not just once or twice a year. He's there all the time. Here's the deal. This place that I'm talking about already exists to some degree. It's called Christ Church of the Valley. This is not a message about what you should be doing. It's a pat on the back of what God is doing, but also a reminder of what God was willing to do. If everybody understands that you have an instrument and you play in the orchestra, and if you play it and play it well, there's a beautiful symphony that starts to permeate this valley. This is Today
1: with Jeff Vines. The message is called, Greater Things Are Yet to Come. Pastor Jeff is talking about what the church of today could and should be. Let's continue
0: now. A couple of weeks ago, I walked out on a Sunday night We had hot chocolate and cookies, and man, we were having a blast, weren't we? Music was great. Couple thousand people here. We finished, and I thought, great, we're finished a little early. I could go home and spend some time with the wife and kids. There was literally a line of people waiting to see me. Here's the thing. You better be willing to live what you preach. And so as I stood off that stage, it was one family after the next and all of them had a need. They had heard about this event and they heard that we loved people here. So they thought, will you help us? Let me tell you, these were genuine needs. A guy's living in his car, just needs a break. A guy's living in a hotel, just needs a job. A mother's trying to take care of five children at a local hotel, just needs some hope. You You know what I have done most of my life? I'll pray for you, come here. God bless you. There's a Greek word for that baloney (laughs) what good is that the place I'm talking about on the next Monday morning I went to the offices with the names of people and the details I went into Mark Oakley's office who uh, orchestrates our local and uh, uh, overseas outreach as well as Jaime Mendoza I sat in their office and I said guys I gotta know something and I gave them the needs they smiled, they looked at me with their team of four and they said we can take care of every one of them (laughs) I said you're kidding me they said, no, Now, understand. I kind of started to smile. My heart was racing. I said, really, are we that organized? Absolutely. I'm not saying they said we could take care of everything that ever happens, but they did say this. Right now, we feed people, we clothe people, we get them temporary housing, we have a relationship with the Red Roof Inn, we can get you in a nice warm shower, a nice warm bed, get you to where you need to go, and we're partnering with other people where there's a longer stay. People will help you create a CV, find a job, whatever it is. We may not be able to do it now, but we know who can, and we'll get you the help you need. This is what the church does best But I believe, I believe although we're showing signs of this place, the vision and the call God has on our lives is to become the first place. The first place anybody thinks about when they have a need because they know they won't be judged over here. They'll just be loved. They'll be taken care of and they won't say, brother, let's pray for you. They know they'll be helped. I have a dream of in some uh, meeting over in Covina or Glendora, Laverne, wherever, there's a council meeting and they're all discussing this new issue that's facing the valley. And somewhere, sometimes, somebody stands up and says, I know Christ Church of the Valley loves people. Let's get them involved in meeting the need of this community. What a dream that would be. We would become the first place people think about when they have a need. The first place people think about council persons, think about when we've got an issue in our community that's a challenging, that we actually would fulfill Jesus' dream, that we would be the city on the hill that can't be hidden. And the gates into that city say, love, grace, mercy, acceptance, forgiveness. All of that would be tremendous. And it would be the kind of place, it would be the kind of place if something happened, I don't know, maybe earthquake, whatever, If something happened, don't say that in Southern California, man. That's not funny. (laughs) If something happened that we went missing, that people would mourn that we were gone. That everybody would know that place is gone. I mean, I never went there, but I heard about it. They love people over there. And people would cry and would mourn and say, we demand their return to be the first place like the original first place in Acts 2, where everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They were selling their possessions and goods and they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right, Bible lesson, just quickly. People look at that and say, oh no, not another communistic way of living. All things in common. This is not about pulling your resources together and redistribution. The Greek phrase actually means that you hold all possessions lightly. Remember Paul said, you don't work, you don't eat. Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. What the first century church did so well is they brought everybody together. And those who God had blessed a lot with a lot of resources helped when those had a need. But it wasn't this just freelance, oh, I, I'm not gonna work, you give me because you're wealthy. That's not the system. That system stinks and has ruined many countries. The church knew how to do it. You pull your resources together, but not for equal distribution. It's that if I'm wealthy and God has blessed me, I hold lightly in case there's someone who has a genuine, authentic need, I can help them. It was the early church when the plagues came upon Rome. They were the ones, these Christians, followers of Jesus, that got out in the streets when the plagues came and everybody else in the culture ran away for fear of contamination, that the Christians put out the beds and took the damp cloth. And although they weren't physicians, they would pray for and wipe the brow and the face of those suffering just to help them in their moment of difficulty. And because of that, the Bible says they exploded. Look, Look at the other byproducts. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Wonders and signs were taking place. There was gladness and sincerity of heart. Do you know how glad and sincere, do you know how you feel in your heart when you really meet the need of someone who's genuinely in need? They were experiencing this every day. Look at this though. Praising God and having favor of all people. Not just the believers now, the unbelievers. All of those in the community gave favor because they stood up and they took notice. And the Bible says, That's why God added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's why I like to tell the story of Mother Teresa all the time. I I wish I could have been there in 94 when she addressed the Harvard graduation. You know, it's probably the 10th time I've taught. If you've never heard it, raise your hand. Oh my, this story has gotten out. Okay, you know the story? Mother Teresa asked to speak at Harvard graduation. She chooses as her topic, abstinence. She's gonna tell, there's this wrinkled old Albanian woman dressed in white, and she's gonna talk about abstaining from sex until marriage to these Harvard grads. She starts talking about that in her speech, and the Harvard students booed her. And I always ask, how can you boo Mother Teresa? (laughs) When they started booing the kids who had been rescued by Mother Teresa, on the streets of Calcutta were behind the columns. They thought Mother Teresa's speech was over and they were going to surprise her. So they all ran out, she knelt down, she hugged them, she was weeping, the kids were weeping. When the Harvard grads saw that, you know what they did? They got on their feet and gave her a standing ovation. Then they sat down and respectfully listened to the rest of Mother Teresa's speech, why? Because they're not going to care what you have in your head until they see what's in your heart and you demonstrate it with your hands. Now listen. That's why when God gave the moral law, think about it. In the Old Testament, 630 mosaic precepts, 630 laws to keep. That's hard. David reduces them to 15. Isaiah reduces them to 11. Micah reduces them to three. Love God, do mercy, walk humbly with your God or do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And then in Matthew 22, Jesus comes on the scene. He takes these 630 and he reduces them down to 1A and 1B. He said on all on these two statements, all the law hangs. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want you to hear me on this. The vision of Christ church of the valley is not to feed and clothe the hungry. Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. Are we gonna do that? Absolutely, but that's not the vision. The vision is this. That there would be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ in every home in the San Gabriel Valley. That there would be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ in every home in the San Gabriel Valley. Well, Jeff, if that's true, and that's a big one, Jeff, yes, it is big, that's huge. You're gonna need God to get involved in that one, which proves it's from him. But Jeff, how are you gonna do that? And why, if that's the vision, are you talking so much about meeting the needs of the poor, giving water to the thirsty, clothing the naked? Because don't you see, Jesus saw them as intertwined, inseparable, connected. That the means by which you bring spiritual formation and spiritual transformation to an entire community of people is when you begin first to clothe the naked, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, visit those in prison, Matthew 25. That that's the distinguishing mark between those who really have a relationship with God called the sheep and those who just claim to, they're the goats. Jesus knew that the number one strategy to bring the good news of the gospel to an entire group of people is through getting involved in their felt needs. And then when they see your love for them, they'll listen to your gospel. Jesus got really good at it. You know, the lame walked, that's pretty cool. Blind see, that's good. Raising the dead, whew, that's big. And because Jesus had that compassion for people, they were willing to listen. Folks, that's why we're involved in things and going out to the public schools and telling single moms or single dads or any single parent who is trying to make it on their own with their children, and who needs to work a nine to five job, but then they have to spend money on daycare or childcare for somebody to collect their child at three o'clock and then babysit them or just, I don't know, be with them. And then they're paying income for that. And they're trying to just adding to their woes. It's why the people of Christ Church of the Valley right now are going into the schools. This is happening now. Now, hear this. This is not something that was going to happen. Happening right now, we're going out into those schools and we're saying to mom or dad, mom, dad, it's okay. You stay at work until five. We're going to bring our people on this campus and we're going to tutor. We're going to coach. We're going to mentor and we're going to love your child. Not because we're better at it than you. We're not, but we're going to be there to partner with you. And when we get really good at this, and instead of hundreds of being involved, thousands are involved, then we'll give mom or dad a meal at five o'clock clock and say, here you go. Take this food, go home and have quality time with your children. Don't worry about having to cook. We know you're tired. We know you've been working hard. Enjoy. (laughs) This is what a principal wrote to us. The program I just described is called Kaleidoscope. She says, the Kaleidoscope project and the support of CCV has been of tremendous value to the workman students. In these difficult economic times, Providing after-school programs, tutoring, or extracurricular activities is not possible. CCV has been able to fill this void. Workman students now have the opportunity to participate in after-school tutoring and drama and soccer and basketball. Students look forward to each session and they're excited to have an opportunity to participate in something special. And the CCV program is one of the best managed programs I've had the opportunity to work with coming from a public school principal to a church. Wow. My point, my point is a simple one. This is already happening. This place is already being formulated, but the potential to move from hundreds to thousands. And the question is, are you in the game? Are you in the sidelines? And you applaud and you think that's really cool, but you have no involvement in it. What are you doing with your life?
1: Thank you for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. We'll leave it there for today. Continuing, greater things are yet to come next time as we hear more about showing what's in our hearts by doing it with our hands.
0: The means by which you bring spiritual transformation to an entire community of people is when you begin first to clothe the naked, feed the hungry, visit those in prison. That's the distinguishing mark between those who really have a relationship with God called the sheep and those who just claim to, they're the goats.